0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Carl Chapman, hey. Hello, Cam. Good afternoon. How are you? It's been a long time since I've seen you. Happy New Year. Many moons have passed. (laughs) Well, a couple moons. Yes. It's been at least two moons since I've seen you. You look very, very well. Well, I've got to say, first of all, I've got to say, Sundays can sometimes be triumphant but sometimes a little bit sorrowful because we've had to postpone a segment, I must say. Karen Martini, she of, uh, until recently, Better Homes and Gardens, uh, cooking down there at Fed Square, And also great author of um, Cook by Karen Martini, a fabulous opus. She was supposed to come on the show, but alas, it is the time of festivals. We have the Festival of Taylor Swift. We do. Which is happening, which is a fabulous thing. But we also have St Kilda Festival, and uh, she is now cooking down at the Saint and uh, had to renege. So we have bad news and we have good news. The bad news, no Karen. Good news. Go for it. She'll be back on on the twenty fifth. So Excellent. tune in next week. We will have Karen Martini. We do have the star of the show, John, at the market. So we'll have a little bit of a market report. We've been talking about. There is a pastime that that happens at this time of year. It is the festival. Another festival we could say the festival of sauce. Have you ever made tomato sauce? I haven't made it, no. No, it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing to do. You need a giant family yes, kind of helps, yes. you know, and everybody has a job and, yes. and everybody gets teased mercilessly if they do things wrong. Lots of jars. Lots of jars, lots of fun, lots of music, and, uh, and at the end you get a pasta fresco, which is, you know, pretty much the fresh pomodoro made with the pasta. We'll go have a bit of a chat to him about picking tomatoes and what you should look for at the market There is great news afoot, and uh, it involves a spirit that is associated with Mexico, and I speak of, uh, well, tequila and mezcal, and uh, one of the things I'm going to be asking a great scribe, and we haven't spoken to him for a while, uh, Sebastian Rayborn, is uh, what the difference between those things are, Um, maybe a little bit of the history of that spirit, but the Incredible news is that Australia will be self-sufficient in tequila. Even though we can't call it that, I think we we get our heads around a uh, agave spirit. And uh, as we speak, there are little agaves that are growing around your poon. Some have been harvested and have been turned into our very own cactus juice. Wonderful. Isn't that great news? Mm. I think it is kind of good news. Um, so... Yeah, that's sort of the uh, the the way that the show has, is going to go. Uh, as I said, we have the Festival of Taylor Swift on at the moment, Festival of the uh, St Kilda Fest. Do you ever go down there? I I've been, been... Not for a while, for me. Once in recent times, but then yes. not for many years because it was always
1: a bit packed. But yeah. they've actually spread the stages out around that, a bit more and I think that shares the love across a broader part of the the area?
0: I think, yeah, you're right. And I think one of the great things about St Kilda Festival is the way that it is so easily accessible. Yes. I mean, you'd be crazy to try and park there because... Oh, there's good public transport. I'd probably just cycle down if I was going You to... would just cycle down, that's right. Where would you put your bike? Oh, you'd find a spot. Oh, there's always a, there's a pole right. here or there. Don't you worry about that, Cam. We can... Uh, Not we sure what's left of it a bit later on, but... Yes, well, yeah, I yeah, hope you got all your wheels. Uh, that's the thing. But... You know, my dear, dear listeners out there, and, and I haven't said a proper good day to you. I hope you're having a, a fabulous Sunday, whatever you're doing on this gentle summer's day. A marked contrast to last Sunday. Yes. Stinking hot. Very comfortable out there today. It was <laughs> nasty. So, yeah, it's a good day for um, a festival. And because Karen could not come in, it forced me to kind of go in to myself a little bit because I was thinking, wow, what am I going to talk about? You know, I'm going to have to probably editorialise a little bit because it's a little bit late to get talent in to, to come up. And I asked myself a fairly simple question because I've been doing this show for a few 40 seasons now and at its very essence, it's called Eat It and it's about the consumption and, and the celebration of food and drink and things like that. But importantly, Carl, I thought it could be a bit of a reflection on why do we cook? I thought, well, okay, better write a couple of things down. So, you know, here is a few things and I'm going to follow it up with someone from Triple R. It's almost a Proustian thing, remembrance of things past. But this is going to be an ongoing series because I think this is a very important thing to front up to because this is the essence of the show. And my first thought is that cooking heals us. Through the making and cooking of food, I find that the mind can be quietened. Cooking keeps the world and troubles at bay. When one cooks, or when I cook, I'm transforming what I'm preparing, and one has to be present in the moment to do that. Chopping, frying, sorting... Measuring, steaming, roasting, and more importantly, looking, smelling, and listening to what we create, using all our senses to be in this moment of creation. We're making something, and in that process, we're not alone by making one has a link through history, both general and a deeply personal history. It's an essence to our humanity, I reckon, and it's what it defines us. And in doing this, we are able to let the world recede a little bit. I need to cook, and in fact, I need to mix and transform. And through doing this, there are times where cooking is a deep, deep impact or a deep road to our past. Recreating something my mother or my father has cooked or prepared for me, well, that can be such a profound thing. It's an embrace. It's a love letter from the past. Something that comes deep from within. Cooking can be a great gift from the past. And our own Max Crawdaddy had something to say you know, about this very thing. So take it away, Max.
2: Pot roast. I gaze upon the roast that is sliced and laid out on my plate. And over it I spoon the juices of carrot and onion. And for once I do not regret the passage of time. I sit by a window that looks on the soot-stained brick of buildings and do not care that I see no living thing. Not a bird, not a branch in bloom, not a soul moving in the rooms behind the dark panes. These days, when there is little to love or praise, one could do worse than yield to the power of food. So I bend to inhale the steam that rises from my plate, and I think of the first time I tasted a roast like this. It was years ago in Seabright, Nova Scotia. My mother leaned over my dish and filled it, and when I finished, filled it again. I remember the gravy, its odour of garlic and celery, and sopping it up with pieces of bread. And now I taste it again, the meat of memory, the meat of no change. I raise my fork, and I eat
0: You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Max Crawdaddy, thank you. Uh, that was something that was uh, recorded. It was called Pot Roast, and that would have been recorded. I don't know, maybe twenty years ago, but. Uh, Max, doesn't he sound good? He sounded great. Thank you, Carl. Ooh, seal of approval. Here at uh, the Mighty Hours at 12.16 and a half. Before we go to market, before we travel and make our way to the Queen Victoria market, which I must say everything is looking rather lovely at. Let's go to market, shall we? Yes.
3: Mm, yum. Well, this is really good, John. Thanks for that. It uh, is nice and crunchy. Yeah, it's nice and crunchy.
0: Um, hello, everyone. Uh, we're at the Queen Victoria Market. I'm here with uh, with John at Tomato City. What shed number is this again? Sea Shed number eight. You'll C- see the big banners. There they are Sea Shed. And uh, John's just given me this beautiful little biscuit
3: that um, came out of a
0: special machine at home.
3: Yes, most people call them pizzelle. We call them ferretelle because they're made in an iron. Oh, from in, in an iron thing? Yeah, they were made in a cast iron shape. But this is yep. a modern one. Yes. Made in a beautiful electric machine. Yes. You turn it on, you open it up, you pour it in. You pour the batter in. And... Bumper! Um, yeah, bumper. The, yeah. the beautiful aromas that smoke come out of the machine. You crisp. There you go there. I just crisped it. Yes, because oh. I've been hedonistic. I didn't offer Cameron a coffee, but I gave him a, a, a biscuit. He <laughs> goes, I'm not going to give you a coffee, but you have a biscuit. And you've... um You've kind of
0: broke tradition here in that um, you're having an iced coffee today. Yeah, when I run it a little
3: bit hot, um, uh, I, I sometimes like to put ice in it. Not under uh, the collar. No. <laughs> uh, you know the blood pressure comes up a little bit sometimes <laughs> yeah, but, with some people. I know. Well, um, hopefully not with me as we talk. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we have a, a nice coffee. It cools you down, makes you feel good. Mm. Get a little bit more energy. Mm. And we get out there and run because we've got all the beautiful produce out there again today. Yeah, have indeed. And
0: one of the things, the first things I noticed coming in was around the corner, uh, they're selling boxes of tomatoes. How much are they selling them? Uh, here we go, thirty bucks. Just here, I got, took a little picture of it. Hey, stop it! Don't allow. There we go,
3: thirty-two romas. Oh yeah, yeah. What do you yeah, reckon? Yeah, that that's a good variety of romas. That's a cheap price because mm. I. Um, didn't get those. i got another farmer's um, what tomatoes. Do you, what do you see when you look at those? So, so
0: I've just shown John a, a few boxes of tomatoes, but well, tell me what you're looking for
3: with your eyes. It's very, very so hard. hard. No, no, come yeah. this way while we're right. talking. About Let's have a look. How do we, where do we pick a good Roma? Alright, here we go. We're just wandering around to the front. Right. Um, the box you showed me is uh, a long, flat box. Polystyrene. Polystyrene. Got about 16, 17 kilo in it as well. Mm. Uh, I've got the taller boxes um, which also have 16, 17 kilo. Yep. People try to tell you they're 18 kilo, but they're not. Oh, okay. Here hear that one. It's very hard because a lot of aromas all look the same. Mm. But it's like everything. You have to trust who's selling them to you. Hopefully they know their job. Yep. Now, I know my job. I know these tomatoes have been ripened on the bush. They've been hand-tilled, which, which means they've gone out there and weeded by hand. The tomatoes have ripened in their own time. They've ripened and, and they've been picked by hand. Naturally, not by bomb. Not by bomb. And what do we mean when we say by bomb? Because uh, a, a lot of the uh, cheap Roma tomatoes, what they do is, if there's a lot of weeds during the growing season, they'll actually aerial spray and kill the weeds. So there, we won't say company names, but you know that they're using... Uh, poisons and so on so we were saying they aerial bomb the fields all the plants die they can't go into the field for seven days mm. then the tractor comes along picks up all the tomatoes uh, they go through a grater picks out all the green ones with an electric eye and all of, and they're graded by size and they're put into the box untouched by human hand now they may look the same they may taste okay but who knows you know, what chemicals you're eating and so on. So, I'd rather pay a few dollars more. We're selling 35. Yes. You can pay up to 40, depends on where you're getting them. Yeah. Uh, those that you saw for 32, I'm sure he's put them down a little bit because it's Sunday. Yes. Uh, but oh, yes. we've yeah. been selling 35 all week and we've got only a couple of handful of boxes left. Mm. So, and these tomatoes are very, very nice. It's a smaller variety. Normally, we've got the huge, what we call King Romas. Yes. Um, but these little ones are very good. Dad said last time he we went to Italy, they're all using the smaller variety of Romas because they make a very, very bright red, rich, fragrant sauce. More concentrated? More concentrated. Yeah,
0: that's what you want.
3: And, and, and we've been using them too you've got to be very careful there's not a lot of moisture in them so you've got to be careful you don't burn them we, we boil them and put them through the machine into the bottle so we don't have that problem yes. but a lot of people cook them in a big pot yes. if you're not stirring properly you burn the rear end of the pot oh and someone's going to get in trouble Jesus! Yeah, there's, 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 there's words thrown uh, everywhere when oh my happens. god yeah, no, yeah, the, the whole thing's gone bitter yes, um, you know, they do make a magic sauce you get a very very high yield as yep. well Um, I have people always ring me back and say, thank you, John, the sauce was the best we've ever made. And what
0: do you reckon, so far as um, this year, it seems to have been a fairly good year
3: for tomatoes. Uh, It's been... Better? Fair, better. Better, better. yeah. Um, I couldn't get the volume that I was getting two years ago. On Friday, I was selling more than 100 boxes on the day. Everyone was coming, picking them up, going home, doing them Saturday morning. Last year I was getting five or six every now and then. Yeah. And it's got to be said that there's been pretty mild sort of a summer this year. We've had a couple of heat spikes. Yeah, and We've had a lot of water too, don't forget yeah, Rochester. The, the less so less sun. Yeah, Rochester yeah. and north of that got a lot, a lot of water and, and the tomatoes, yeah. if the ground doesn't dry out, the, the tomato plants just fall over and die, yeah. which what happened with our Doncaster grower, his first planting. Got it. Planted half and had to wait for the ground to dry. Half of the plants rotted in the ground, the other half rotted in the it. Good God.
0: Okay, so if we're going to summarise and say for uh, the person out there that wants to make some sauce, uh, when they're buying their tomatoes, what are the things they should look for?
3: Uh, look for colour, yeah. um, break one open and try it. Yes. Uh, I went to the local grocer to buy coffee and that, and he had a pallet of tomatoes there. Someone had broken the tomato in half and had a smell. And um, then when I delivered tomatoes to one of my dad's old mates, he said, oh, yeah, I went there, I broke the tomato. I said, yeah, I saw it, you left it on top too. (laughs) He said, oh, it tasted horrible. Well, what do you say? They were 22 bucks a box. And get what you pay for, get what you pay for. All
0: right, casting our eyes around, uh, we've gone from one fruit to another fruit, because tomato is a fruit, we know that. Mangoes. There still seems to be a lot of mangoes around,
3: isn't there? Yeah, but I haven't eaten a KP since the first wave. You know, the second wave hasn't been worth <laughs> contemplating. Yeah. Um, the quantity's not there. The quality's not there. The colour's not there. The fragrance is not there. Yeah. So we've been feasting on something else, which is rather tragic. Because what? What are you feasting on? Well, nectarines, yeah. Um, yeah. plums. Um, all the all the beautiful stone fruit all, all the fruit beautiful stone around. fruit. Yeah. Cherries have done. So mm. we had a feed on those. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, mm. I'm eating the little black currants. Or trying not to because they're so rich. Yeah, they're so sweet. Um, yeah. Uh, and the grapes. We've got, you know, all the natural uh, varieties of grapes that I, haven't been. Dude, I love this time of year. this, this is, really look, This is
0: the sweet time of
3: year. Not just for sweet, for everything. Mm. We, we've got. Beautiful f- stone fruit. Thanks, We've man. got beautiful grapes. All like the good. best. Thank Sorry you. Mate, we're you know. talking about the sauce now on the radio. Yeah. This guy's it. got he's a got box. He's going to go home, and he's going to go and buy a new machine that goes trick track, trick track, because check, you're doing it by hand. Yeah. So go and find one, buddy. <laughs> Sorry to No, not at all. It's okay. Happy customer. Yeah. About to make the sauce. Good luck with your sauce. You very you're very welcome. Yeah, he's been buying a box... Um, yeah. And then another box and another box. He's only got a little um, moolie. so oh, really? I told him to go buy this machine. That when oh, you turn around, okay. the guy's trick track, trick right. track. Oh, you won't know what he won't <laughs> know what's happened to him. Yeah. Sweet things. We were talking about grapes. we yeah, were talking how about grapes made. and the nectarines and yeah. that. Uh, but also, it's the time of the year when all the veggies are in their prime. But. For some reason, the quality and the quantity hasn't been there. Really? Normally, we're throwing zucchinis at the door, $3, $2, $4 a kilo. Yeah. We're selling $7. Eggplant's the same. Yeah. Um, no field eggplant, which I'm missing. I love field-grown eggplant. Yes. They're, they're softer, they're sweeter, no seeds. Yes. They're never bitter. Yeah. Hydro hydro ones, if the grower doesn't know what he's doing, they can be bitter, they can be hard on the skin. And full um, of seeds. And, and full of seeds. I just made that up. So, I was just hoping right. that you. No, no, you're right. You've been there. You know yeah, what it's yeah. like. I've told you about it
0: before. And also another thing that's, uh, that has happened, which has been delayed, which makes me very sad, another customer just came up before. We speak about gherkins that yeah, come in. Those yeah. beautiful, dry, warty-looking cucumbers that are so lovely to pickle. And also eating
3: salads. Yeah, when they're freshly picked, um, so there's a bit of even a though they line. look a little bit spiky, horny and that. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, even the ones with a lot of spikes on them, they're not prickly spikes, they're just bumps. Yeah. When you when they're freshly picked, in the first two days, they are like sugar. After that, they start to change, like yes. a lot of things. Yes. But you put a little bit of olive oil and vinegar on them and they're beautiful. And then you can make a quick pickle... Uh, where you just throw the boiling water and vinegar on them and yeah. and uh, eat them soon. Or you can do this myriad of ways. There's a Jewish way yeah. where they use bread. There's the Italian way where we use water and vinegar. There are other ways, you know, yeah. full of herbs and spices. And Are they going to happen, though? I don't know. I'm yeah. really worried because uh, I've got a, a, lot, a lot of lovely older people that still stick to tradition.
0: Yeah, and, and look forward. And this is one of the great things about coming to the markets is that we cook and we think about food in our
3: seasons and, and that's such an important thing it is very important because also it reminds a lot of people from back home mm. where during winter they didn't have a lot of these things yeah. so they like to still keep to the traditions they eat when they can, mm. pick on when they can and um, you know they've got things all through the season because yeah. sometimes when you buy something out of season like the asparagus we're very very lucky they're out-of-season crops, yes. but they're still a beautiful asparagus to eat. Yeah, or, drinking, Whereas, or eating cherries in June, July, whatever it was. Yeah, it's uh, not the same. They've nah. lost the flavour, they've lost the texture. Yeah, lost, so they lost the season. plot, mate. Yeah, lost yeah, the yeah. bloody plot. So when we're that,
0: talking about mangoes, that sort of stuff. Um, oh, there's one thing I wanted to ask. This is more personal, because I know that, you know, the listeners have a good idea about, you know, who you are and what you eat and your relationship with Franca. Your beautiful wife, and I was just wondering, and maybe you can give us a little bit of a steer because we're heading towards some hot weather. Wednesday, Thursday is going to be pretty hot, and I was wondering what sort of food you think Franca might cook for you, or you're going to ask, yeah, well, oh, it's, it's, it's,
3: it's her birthday today, too. Oh, happy um, birthday, Franka! Wish you yeah, a happy yeah, birthday from all of us. And, uh, and I'll tell you something Joey said, Oh, what are you cooking tomorrow night? No, yeah, you're getting a plate of spaghetti, what else do you want? <laughs> he, was, he was hoping to get a treat for her birthday, but it for wasn't going to happen. But we're going to have to dinner tomorrow night. Oh, good. Now, Hot weather. Mother and son always argue because mother says, when I was growing up, we ate soup yeah. all the time, summer, winter, yeah. which I don't mind yes. because the other day I took some um, endive home yeah. and she chopped it up, boiled it, and then uh, did a, a soupy uh, type of thing. With that, uh, rice, oh, um, yeah. blotty beans, yeah. plenty of tomatoes, celery and so on. A chicken stock there too? Uh, yeah, sometimes she just puts a chicken in. Uh, right. We're not so much on stock users. Yeah, okay. But yeah, when it gets hot, uh, Thursday night I am guarantee we'll have pasta because that's a traditional night for us.
0: Yeah.
3: Wednesday night she might do a pot roast.
0: Yeah.
3: She did one the other night with some beautiful lamb shoulder, yeah. a few potatoes around. I saw some broad beans in the freezer, so I'm going to ask her to do them as well. And Friday night, we might get rice and lentils. Mm. We might get a pasta. We might get maybe grilled chops and salad. Who knows? Who
0: knows? But Uh, there was that one thing, and I just wanted to ask again, because it could be a good thing to plan for, the beautiful salad that you do on very, very hot
3: days that consists of the cantaloupe? Yep. Tomato? Uh, Yeah, some people call it panzanella. There's another name for it as well, but we call it a panzanella. But we use um, old ciabatta bread. Yes. Um, We sometimes just break it open and toast it, Mm. or you just wet it under the tap and you make it, you use um, cantaloupe or melon if you like, plenty of cucumber, plenty of tomato, oregano, garlic. Oregano, that was the beginning. Some parsley, not too much, because that can make it a little bit sharper. Yes. Good olive oil. Good olive oil and... mm. Chuck some olives in if you really want to. It's that agriculture. Yeah, isn't it? and and yeah. the bread sucks up all that beautiful juice yep. and all the flavours intermingle and mm. everything softens up. Mm. Still some crunch from the cucumbers and the tomatoes. You got it all. Oh, I love it. it. And when you're tired yeah. and hot and bothered. The, the sugars and the, and the Agri dolce flavours that you're mm. talking about really come out, and they lift you up like no one's business, and you feel like you're alive again. It's like a tiramisu. It's a pick-me-up. Yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, it is. All right, let's uh, get out of here
3: because you've been very generous with your time. Pick of the market. Pick of the market. We've got Victorian beans from down Gippsland way down south um, of Victoria. They ran away at yeah, you know, what well, we have them eleven dollars a kilo. Mm. You can buy a machine pick for four or five bucks a kilo, gotta use them you today. Know. You got to know. Yep. Beautiful peas as well that came from down that way in the shell, you know, open them up, a very quick steam, you know, don't boil them, a little bit of olive oil and, and salad onion in it. Yep. A zucchini like I said, they're a little bit dear, but they're still beautiful to eat. Franco made a frittata last night. Mm. Square one for a change. unusual to square frittata. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> You're messing with my mind. <laughs> she shoved it in the oven, you see. Oh, okay. uh, but okay. it did taste beautiful. Yes. And the eggplant. People have been making eggplant parmigiana. Oh, yeah, uh, we've had gorilla eggplant. You know, you shove yeah. it under the grill. You pull yeah. it to bits. We can even do it in the fry pan like the Greeks do. Mm. Look, everything's at its peak. Like you said, this is it's a sweet good, time of the year, yeah. but veggies are very sweet as well. I actually took some bok choy home last night. Mm. We're going to make some quick noodles maybe Tuesday night. Yeah, nice. And um, everyone's happy again.
0: We're living the dream. Of course. John, thank you so much, and thank you for the biscuit. You're welcome. Maybe I'll get a nice coffee next time if I'm good. Uh, you might get a black one if you come back. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll take that. John, thanks again. Have a lovely day, guys. Back to the studio.
1: This is a podcast
0: from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. And it's my great joy to be reunited with uh, a dear old buddy of mine. His name is Sebastian Rayborn. He lives in the coastal town of Geelong, Detroit, some people call it, Sebastian. Good to see you via Zoom. Uh, it's like a COVID special here. Um, great to see you. How you doing?
1: A very great pleasure, Cam. And yeah, lovely to lovely to see your face. Yes, as you say, via the, the wonders of technology.
0: The wonders of technology. Because uh, I did miss you guys, and I'm very very sorry for that. Because I was working down the coast, and I missed out. And this is the first time. in, I don't know, maybe five or six years you've been doing this, the Anther Cherry Gin Pipping Experience.
1: How did that go? Yeah. Well, uh, we missed you. I don't know. I missed you guys. <laughs> it was it was lovely. It's and that's always, very kind it's of you to say that. It's a real, you know, it is always a highlight because we get to, you know, talk and sit and meet people and meet new people and, and welcome back. You know, Alon was there. My dad was there. You know, we always have, you know, so many lovely regulars. Mm. Um
0: and, and and you produce and this this beautiful ambrosial elixir uh known as the cherry gin which uh uh unlike a maraschino liqueur is uh, luscious and fruity and a little bit spooky
1: hence the cherry pitting remove the seeds because none of us like that maras, maraschino flavor so we want to mm. just have that beautiful velvety Black cherry
0: flesh, and you do That's so what what anyway. <laughs> but uh, in in chatting to you, I've done a little bit of a digression. But in doing that, um, I really wanted to highlight one of the great products that you do with the, we'll call it the parent company, Anther, because <laughs> uh, it is mum and dad who run it. So it is the parents, <laughs> yes, indeed, <laughs> Dervler and Seb making that beautiful Anther gin down there at uh, the old uh, General Mills uh, site in yeah, yeah, in Geelong
1: you know, 100-year history of distilling in the area and think, oh, we're back. Yeah. A little bit smaller yes. than the Southern Hemisphere's largest distillery, but, you know, we're back.
0: <laughs> oh, well, uh, fullness of time, Minister, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but, Seb, you, uh, you moonlight um, and also you sunlight as well, as well as moonlight, in the fact that uh, you've been seconded and have worked with Ned Whiskey, uh, Top Shelf Spirits, for quite a while now and... Uh, you've done some beautiful things, putting whiskey in American oak barrels, which brings out beautiful maple uh, maple syrup sort of aromas, which I quite adore. Uh, you were very, very successful in Grain Shaker and getting that out to uh, the people, three different types of vodkas. And now, wait for it. Yeah. Australia <laughs> has its own agave spirit. So over to you, Seb. <laughs> active
1: treason yeah so, yeah, yeah that, that's right, active treason so this this project started in twenty nineteen yeah and that was when yeah we went up to air and yeah. there was a a a planting of agave up there, agave tequilano the the blue weber that is famous in tequila. Whereabouts where we is were it? Able to...
0: Sorry to cut so, in. I, I yeah, might so have is... mis, uh, mis, uh, misspoke because I think I said it was around Yapoon. Is that's not right, is it?
1: Not quite. So not we're, quite. we're um, so we're in an area of Queensland called the Queensland Dry Tropics, and that stretches from north of Erley Beach mm-hmm. to just north of Townsville. Right. So, oh, wow. And that okay. that so it's in a rain shadow, so it's actually dry tropical. So yes. everything north of there is wet tropical. Everything south of there is wet tropical. You get very different rainfall. But there's this one area, and the locals call it the dome. The and dome. because of the, sh- the shape of the coastline, the rain actually skips over it. Oh. And so the, the weather in the dome yes. is almost exactly equivalent to Jalisco in Mexico, where tequila's from. Like, of- it's, it's uncanny. The, the rainfall tracks you know, within mill- millimetres every month to be the same, That temperature's track the same. Now in Jalisco it's got a little bit of altitude mm-hmm. so it's a little bit cooler, you know, and that's sort of how they get the perfect conditions and where we are we're at sea level but we're maritime. We've actually got the ocean breezes and stuff because <sighs> we're right on the Coral Sea there. So like just off the Great Barrier Reef, you know. So it's you know it's it's amazing and it's the perfect place to to grow the the blue Weber agave. But I guess for those listening mm-hmm. Who maybe don't quite know what we're talking about. Mm. So, tequila is made from agave, and all tequila must be made from only one species of agave. And it's the, the blue. Yeah, it's the na- you know it's the national spirit of Mexico. It's spirits from agave, and whether it's mezcal and sotol and rocia and um, or and tequila being the most famous. But it's just like champagne. Yes. So tequila can only be made and in, in, there's five regions all around the state of Jalisco in Mexico that are the only places you can grow the agave to, to call it tequila. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there's another bunch of regions that can be called mezcal, and they use different species of agave. So rather than agave tequilana, they might use Espadín or cowinsky and a whole bunch of different um, species. And then you've also got uh, ricea as well, which is again another region, but they're all Essentially, cooking, planting, you know, growing these agave, and then and distilling it, and it's one of the most unique spirits in the world. I think. Why. I think it's the only. Well, most spirits are the 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 result of a crop. You know, you 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 grow grain.
0: A, a grain usually. You, you, you,
1: harvest, you harvest the seed. You know, you harvest yeah. the fruit, or if it's wine, you grow the grapevine and you harvest the grapes. Yes, and, you know, or, or you, you, get you get the you
0: corn, or you get the barley. That's right. Yeah.
1: But with with tequila, you don't want the fruit. You never want it to fruit because when it fruits, it uses up its sugar. So this is a desert plant, right? Mm. It lives in the deserts of Mexico. They get rain in the wet season, and then for the most of the year, it's dry. They store sugar as this really complex um, um, uh, molecules called branch fructans, really, really stable and they store whoa, whoa, them. Hang on, the, Stop
0: it? that again. Just, just, yeah, okay. just hit us yeah. with that again. A branch fructan.
1: <laughs> a branch. Fructan. So it's a so big it's molecule. A really big, big, big molecule, and it's really stable, and it's really hard to to crack. Get the sugar out. Yeah. yeah. So you got it. We cook it for three days. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but this is the thing, right? It's not the fruit. We're not three harvesting days. the fruit. We're harvesting the equivalent this, of the trunk. This pulpy you know, mass. It's, it's the, it is. Pulpy yeah, yeah. mass, isn't it? And this it is it looks like an enormous pineapple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this is what, what you harvest. But when you harvest it, that plant's dead. That's that's gone. You, you, Ter- it's terminal. Take, you know?
0: <laughs> it's not like take, a grapevine. No, that's no. It. And they
1: take five years, you know, to grow. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: So like I said, you know, this all started in 2019 yeah. when we sort of <clears throat> found the right land. Found the plants and, and sort of put it together to to grow them and, and we are a one hundred percent farm to bottle so we we built a distillery up there at the farm but as you can imagine you, you can't call it tequila no because it's not it's, it's not grown in Jalisco that's but botan. it's the same plant but yeah. what we've tried to do in everything that we we'll oh. sort of have planned and thought of is that we've tried to be very very true yes. To the tradition, you know, so, so it's called act of treason, but really the only the only thing about it that is, I guess, treasonous is that it's Australia, not Mexico. Yeah,
0: what is, the, yeah. how did the, the name come about? It's a fabulous <laughs> name. Is it, was yeah, it sort I mean, of like a, a bit of a joke? It was a, sort of an act of treason to be making an agave in
1: Australia or... I mean that's it exactly. And oh, okay. you know the funny thing was that everyone we spoke to in Australia, you know, one of the first things they said was, "Oh, I don't know if you should be doing this." You know, the Mexicans <laughs> would be really unhappy. And everyone we spoke to in Mexico was like, "Awesome, really? let do it." Yeah. yeah, how can we help? You know, no like way. It's this thing, like there's, you know, there's no champagne house that yep. has lost money by Australia making sparkling wine.
0: So they're not being French right? about it.
1: <laughs> well, the reality is that sparkling wine and Champagne is more expensive than ever, mm. you know, and the oh. people, the Mexicans know that. They're like, well, if more people, you know, make agave spirits, we just put our prices up. But also <laughs> in context, in context, they can't keep up with supply right now. They, the demand is so great. Uh, you know, there's there's so much demand for agave spirits and the price keeps going up and, and the, you know, so there's a lot of people in Mexico that are like, we don't want to make lower quality products, mm. we just want to keep putting our price up and we want more people to sort of come into the market so that we can keep saying, you know, we're the original. So a lot of people in Australia were very like, oh, it's a bit of an act of, you know, it's, shouldn't be doing this. And it's it's yeah, almost we spoke to an the act of. Was like, How do we help? Yeah, love it. But an act of treason. But we wanted to really sort of have some fun with it and say, well, you know, is it an act of treason to really honour this tradition and, mm. you know, support it and grow it?
0: And, and and also, dare I say, it, this is just another um, a great moment. I think um, in the hundreds-year-old spirit industry in this country. And now you are part of being a pioneer in in a new. You're going to go down the history books.
1: <laughs> Have you thought of that? Can't. Depends who writes them. If I well, that's if I get true. a hand in yeah. writing them, it'll yeah, help. Yeah, it might. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. But yeah, there's, but there's here a couple you are. of other people. Yeah, for the very first you've got time, to, you've, got to, um, you've got to acknowledge the guys up at Mount Uncle. That's actually in the Atherton Tablelands, further north than us. They've, they've been growing some agave up there for about eight, nine years, I think now. But, up in Atherton. You know, they also make gin. They also make rum. So we sort of say, look, mm. we're the first dedicated agave distillery, um, mm. and we are. You know, like I said, we're a hundred percent farm to bottle. So we. Planted them, harvested them, grew them. They've you know cut them, cooked them, distilled them, bottled on site. Everything's sort of done on site. And um, the other thing about it is that we're also uh, 100% renewable. So our far, our distillery is effectively off grid. We have a little bit of mains power that we use for things like the alarm and the um, CCTV. But mm-hmm. all of our production, we generate all of our own power from biodiesel. Um, you know we recirculate and reuse all of our own water back onto the farm you know so it's it's incredibly sustainable and obviously that's something that was always a plan mm. but it was also the fact that you know we're 40 minutes north of earlyy beach there's there's not a lot of infrastructure there yeah right you know, we've got we've got you know there's a sort of thousand acres of agave we've planted up there. So 600,000 plants in the ground, you know, this is where... Whoa, 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 whoa.
0: say that again, uh, 600,000.
1: 600,000 agave plants in the ground north of Early Beach. So we're, you know, this is a, you know, we're having a serious serious crack at it, you know, this is to make a, a... you know, a, a big project. <laughs> the mind boggles.
0: And um, I think you, tell me if I'm right about this, Seb. You were telling me before that um, the crop is managed and looked after by a whole bunch of, as well as people on the ground, you have eyes in the sky. Do you not? Do you have drones that are sort of looking at <laughs> yeah, seeing yeah, how, do. Yeah, how much, do, yeah, how much
1: water is there and yep. it's, uh, We actually partner with University of Adelaide and their agronomy Department. So yeah. we, we actually have a, a research grant uh, running that's so, so it's a public private research grant, half funded by us, half funded by the um, by the university and, and the government. To effectively, you put a uh, what's called a hyperspectral camera on a drone and oh, the fly old it hyperspectral stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And effectively, what we're doing is we're building the model hmm. and the data that you can take a photo. Yes, and from that photo, from the colours and the size, determine the sugar content and the weight of the pino if you harvest it. and that's that'll take a while because mm. you've got to collect the data, you know, multiple times, multiple times, and so correlate it with in field. So you fly the drone and you check it, and then you go in the field and you actually check the, the bricks and the sugar content manually. Then you harvest it. And see what yield you get mm. into spirit. But so you got to do all three, and then you punch the data together and say, right, yep. does that work?
0: <laughs> Done. Tell me, what did you think when you had your first taste of active tree, and when when did that happen?
1: It was, so the very first distillation uh, happened right at the end of 2023, mm. um, uh, and then we sort of it was ready for. You know, dilution and bottling sort of mid January. So you gotta let it rest up. it's just so it was so. I'm mid-January. laughing because
0: I remember <laughs> I calling you and you know, going, Seb, how are you going, mate? And you go I, I, I really I can't talk at the moment. I'm looking after the dilution at the moment. Because that's <laughs> that's quite a heavy time, isn't it? Diluting down any spirit. Um, it's not just as easy as whacking the hose into the distillery is it? No, I
1: was no. so nervous. Dan, and right, and how did it how did it go? Know, Oh, it's great. It's so not... good. It was such a relief like to, to be at the at the quality we, we wanted. You know, like we've done so many trials over the last sort of five years. And yeah. and in fact, we, we went won a trophy for Best alternative spirit for one of our trials distilled actually at Anther by Derv. Yep. But until we really were into the this is production, you know, we really couldn't sort of sign off on it. Because this is also all of our trials were done on other equipment you know, while we were building the distillery. So this was really the, uh, how does it all come together now? And so all the assumptions we've made and all the data, everything we've learned was, it changed how we built the distillery. So the distillery has been custom built just for agave and it worked. And, you know, it sort of paid off. I mean, we've got a bit of work to do to improve yield and, you know, all the normal More stuff. All uh, What does it the taste quality like? Very, very great. It's, it's
0: um, this is this is yeah, where a I'm a, a little bit disappointed right. that you're not in the studio Seb. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just watching you drink this Carl can't even see it because the screen's pointed <laughs> away so it's it's, it's yeah, a it's yeah. a clear just to give you an idea first of all seb has a very lovely looking glass it looks crystal looks like a Riddell, perhaps and he's holding up the act of treason it's a clear spirit um I, if I looked at it I'd just
1: if you are unaged Blanco, mm-hmm. um, if you are a lover of uh, tequila, then you'll get it straight away. You stick your nose in it, and it's like this is agave, this is this is right there, all of those flavors. Um, if you're a lover of products like fortaleza and um, cascoín, and you know, then straight away you get it. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, this is, you know, this is this is the real stuff. This is just, you know, 100% agave spirit. It's the um, real but, McCoy, it, it but it's has, antipodean. It has a little min- minerality to it. Does it? Is, is a bit different? It's a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more linear, a little bit more, yeah, mineral. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think, uh, you know, think like, um,
0: and when you say linear, Claire said-
1: Valley, like Clare Valley Riesling. You know, think about. Just hold it. um, Stop for a second.
0: Stop for a sec. One sec. When you say linear for the punter out there, what does that mean? It's a long flavor? It changes in length? It's a long flavor,
1: but it's it's sharp, you know, and sharp and focused. Um, If you, you know, sometimes when you have like a, a. a Chardonnay that maybe is not from a great year, you know, you can sort mm. of taste that the bits don't come together well. It's a bit flabby. You know, that there's flavours here. Yeah, flabby mm. is a word often used. There's flavours over there and some over there and they sort mm. of, they don't come together. Mm. And so for me, this is, it's really direct. It's really focused. You know, there's a real preciseness to the flavour and, mm. um, yeah.
0: It's pretty good. Now, uh, we've only got a, a couple minutes left, Seb. The question that everybody is screaming into the uh to the speakers of their whatever they're listening to the show on is, but Seb, does
1: it make a good margarita? It makes amazing margarita. I listen to you. <laughs> that was the first thing we did. Like yeah. we took it off the still and we tasted it, and we're like, quick, get some limes, you know, because yeah. if it doesn't make a margarita, then you know we we missed the boat. So um that yeah. was. I yeah, think that was I- the first drink we had to make.
0: Well, congratulations on that. And I think I, I remember I did do a tasting with you a while ago, it was. That was postulated. But will it make a good margarita? <sighs> Active treason, when's it available?
1: Um, we well, sold, sold out batch one online, but um, batch two should be coming online in the next sort of, um, yeah, end of this week. Like will well, we see it in days. any
0: shops soon, like any retailers? Then
1: um, it'll be available for wholesale into on premise, yeah, end of this week, early next week. Yes. And probably retail. Uh, probably another couple of months, just trying to get enough volume. So it'll be on-premise, good bars and restaurants and direct.
0: Active Treason, thanks to uh, Seb and Top Shelf and also great work Dervla McGowan for her, uh, her distilling and her, her blending, not blending, her distilling, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, big hug to you all. Um, Seb, we're going to talk a little bit about booze history over the year.
1: We are. I hope so. It's a a reprise, I think, because it's been so much, so many years since we we did a sort of history, and it was so much fun.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you uh, uh, later on. Seb, thank you. Congratulations on the beautiful blue agave that is now true blue Aussie. (laughs) Um, 1259, Carl. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank <laughs> you been... so much for. There's been a lot of moving parts with this show. That's been great. Thank you very, very much for helping out and facilitating that. Um, I think we might just uh, fade out into the distance. and... Uh Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.